The Courage to Lead, episode 96. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week. I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Uh, please help me welcome Charletta Wilson-Jacks. Um, Charletta is the go-to professional for development of large-scale, multi-million-dollar residential, commercial, industrial, and transformative development projects. She's got over 30 years experience in planning and community development, construction and project management, including the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games, and she's worked with several architectural and engineering firms. Charlotte currently serves as the Deputy Director of Government Affairs for Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms in the city of Atlanta. She also previously served as Director of Planning and Development for Atlanta. Uh, Charlotte has a bachelor's degree from Howard University and a master's of public administration from Clark Atlanta University. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. No, this is great. I've been looking forward to talking to you. You are the first government official at this level that I've been able to talk to. So I'm excited to, to hear. And, and being a, you know, I live in Atlanta. Of course, I'm interested in what's going on with Atlanta. So uh, maybe we'll tap into that and see what all you have going on and what you know and what you can tell us um, about things that are happening around here. Okay. Okay. Um, but before we get started, I have some questions for you. Uh, listeners will know that these are the same questions I ask every one of my guests. Um, made famous on the TV show Inside the Actors Studio, where host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from stage, film, and TV. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So if you're ready, I have 10 questions for you. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Can. Can. What is your least favorite word? Can't. <laughs> What turns you on? People, family, and, and just love, I think. Nice. And what turns you off? Mean girl behavior, mean boy behavior, and not doing unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Excellent. Excellent. And what sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of the ocean. Nice. And what sound or noise do you hate? I hate the sound of um, maybe the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> because I hate the grocery store. So maybe it's the cash register. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> there you go. Uh, question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Well, I've been really improving on myself during the COVID period. So I would say it rhymes with bell because I don't want to go there. Okay. <laughs> Job. Um, question eight, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Probably um, divinity ministry. Ooh, nice. And what profession would you not like to do? I don't think I could be a um, 
I don't think I can be a construction worker. Okay. More of a planner in that regard. Nice. Absolutely. All right. Finally, question 10. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, Charletta, you, you understood the assignment. And for you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in and meet the rest of your family. Awesome. Yeah, come on in. Good job. All right. We are going to be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about your background, how you got started, um, some of the work that you've done for the city of Atlanta, and maybe what's coming up next. All right. So listeners, we'll be back right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Charletta Wilson-Jacks. Welcome again to the show. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Um, and thanks for all you've done for the city of Atlanta. Sounds like you've been pretty busy. It's been an exciting time. It's been awesome. And even during the period of COVID, we've managed to keep the city running and make big, big investments in our priority agenda. Excellent. So how did you get started? You got a bachelor's from Howard University. Um, what was that bachelor's degree in? Political science. Okay. Very good. Yeah. So is this something you've always wanted to do is go into politics? I've always been interested in politics, how things work, how how legislation and how policy policies affect, you know, just the average citizen. And so when you elevate that and try to figure out, okay, you know, what role can I play in that? How can I make sure that the least of these understand what's going to impact them down the road? So political science was just a great match for me, you know, knowing about government, knowing about history being able to read and write, communicate and write down strategies. It was just an awesome fit. So from high school to college, I just saw that that was the pathway. And, and I had my eyes focused on going to law school, but something along the way changed that to say, you can make more of an impact if you did something like this, if you worked for the government, if you got you know really down to touching the people. So that's basically, you know, my background from growing up in Savannah, Georgia, watching the politics there, and then going off to Howard and saying, hey, this is the fit. And I will share with you that while I was at Howard, I was able to obtain a fellowship to the Joint Center for Political Studies. And it's a think tank, you know, for a lot of African-American policies. And that was just one of the best experiences I had while I was at Howard University, getting, you know, getting next to those big thinkers who shape yeah. policies on Capitol Hill, um, meeting, that's where I actually met uh, Coretta Scott King. Nice. And my girlfriend and I were able to just go and just stand in awe of her. Awesome experience. Wow. Awesome experience. And then being here in Atlanta, that's, uh, this is the epicenter for so much of the change that's coming right now. And so you've been able to be a part of that too. 
Yeah, so I've been with the city of Atlanta for 20 years. And I basically started out as a senior urban planner, actually working on land development. And everybody who wanted to develop in the city of Atlanta, create land, create parcels of land, they had to come my way. And being in that department, I actually began to become an expert in the subdivision ordinance. I eventually got promoted to being the first female African-American zoning administrator, learning those rules because those are more complex decisions. And then moving up to being um, the director of that, that division. And it was a wonderful day when Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms actually called me and said, hey, are you in the building? What are you doing? And I was in the parking lot you know, of a store where I was going to get some lunch. She said, come by and see me. And um, I came to her office because she was newly elected in 2018. And she said, hey, I just want to talk to you about joining my team. And I need you to right now backfill some things for me. And then we'll talk about how we move forward from there. Because she was building that team and trying to get familiar. We knew each other as councilwomen, as when she was a councilwoman. So we started talking. And the one thing I remember I said to her and she remembers to this day, I said, I would love to come and be that legislative guru for you, that whip. But what I want you to know is that I'm not a yes girl. And she said, and that is exactly why I'm having this conversation with you, because I need someone who can see the big vision and pull my coattail and say, mm, no, I wouldn't, I would not recommend that we go that way. So I said, I'm your girl there because I, I may not tell you what you want to hear all the time, but I'm going to tell you what needs to be heard. Yeah. And it's been a joy. It's been challenges. It's been growth ever since. Yeah. And she's done so much for the city since she's come in as mayor. Oh, uh, so can I tell you about what happened sure. today? Sure. So one of the most challenging projects that we've worked on in her administration was the redevelopment of a 40 acre underutilized industrial uh, hole in the ground. It's called the Gulch. And if you've ever gone to uh, Phillips Arena, mm -hmm. um, you see this big hole. That's the Gulch that okay. we were actually able to close on today. We got $33 million for in community benefits. So we had this big celebration. We're going to put money in affordable housing, economic mobility, workforce. And here's what really matters. We're going to establish a children's savings account fund for every child that is needs-based that meets the criteria in the Atlanta Public School to start out with a savings account because some parents don't teach that. So yeah. we're really being rich dad, poor dad. So we're rich city, poor city, and we're going to help the kids know how to manage from this point on. So nice. it's a, that's why I said it's a great day in the city of Atlanta today. <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. And you know, affordable housing is something that I think every community is struggling with. I know here, I mean, I'm down in the Noonan area, so we're kind of a growing area of, of Atlanta. There are so many businesses coming in here, but there's not a lot of affordable housing for those people right. to, to find. Everything is, you know, three, $400,000 and up. There's not a lot of starter homes in the area. Right. Um, is that something you guys are, are looking to Oh, look a to? large part of these funds will go to affordable housing. Nice. And not only that, you know, if there is a portion that's dedicated to an anti-displacement fund. 
Okay. That was actually started when she was a councilwoman and we worked on that together. So we're also we're we want to plan for those who can't afford to live in the city, but we also do not want to leave behind the legacy residents who have earned their right to remain in the city um, as they age in their property. So these funds, which um, really come from this developer as a result of us negotiating this community benefits agreement to really focus on the citizens. You know, affordable housing, anti-displacement, workforce development, which means that we're gonna start investing in jobs that people can pay a mortgage as opposed to um, just, you know, just being able to get by. And then we're gonna focus on the kids and then be sure that all of that is tied together and codified so that as we continue to move forward through administrations, we don't have to go back and renegotiate the deal. Nice. Very cool. So you, uh, you've worked with the Atlanta Olympic Games. Um, what other projects have you worked on? What are you most proud of that you've done? The Gulch is one, um, and it's called Centennial Yards. I loved working on the Olympics because the one thing about that opportunity, there was a beginning and there was a definite end to it. And so to see the city transform into this big Olympic village overall, I was so proud of that. And I was also proud that I was the project engineer on the projects that were in the Atlanta University Center. So we were able to leave a legacy to HBCU um, universities and colleges in order that they will have something for years to come. So I'm proud when I ride down Martin Luther King and I see the football stadium at Clark and Allen University knowing that I was out there when it was dirt we were turning the dirt, we were putting in the sewer and all of that. And I was a part of that from beginning to end. And then I can turn the corner and go to Morehouse College and see that that basketball arena is still in play. And full circle when Barack Obama came to that facility as a part of a political rally. So I, I'm part of what happened today with the Gulch. I'm proud of the Atlanta University Center. And I'm proud of the fact that as I drive around Atlanta, I see my imprint on so many projects that would not have happened had we not, you know, identified stakeholders, come to the table, work together and know that we're doing this for the good of Atlanta. Nice. Very cool. So what's in the future? Anything you can you can let us in on? Well, I tell you what, I want to continue to serve the people of Atlanta and I've done that in various capacities, but what's most really compelling for me is to be sure that I continue to educate the citizens of Atlanta because community engagement is very important. And those citizens who are traditionally not engaged in the process need to have someone who can lobby for them who can make them understand that they do not have to hire a high-powered attorney to go in and understand the basics of constructing a fence. They need to understand that they need to get involved in development of community policy. Because if you fail to engage when the policy is developed, you cannot gain the power to act when the bulldozers come. 
So it goes from policy to implementation, and citizens need to understand that they have a voice in those issues that impact their quality of life. And I've been successful in that arena for a while, and I want to continue to work with the citizens because one of my mottos is people matter. And we have to understand that. Excellent. But yeah, I get so frustrated when people complain and it's like, well, what have you done to be part of this program? Well, nothing really. (laughs) Well, then why are you complaining? Right. You know, get involved. Get involved. Get involved. You elect these. You elect the people to represent you. And not only that, your taxpayer dollars pays for the staff that's actually there, like me, implementing things that you want done. Call, get an audience, demand an audience. And even if you do not end up with the result, ideally, that you wanted, you have had the opportunity to engage and the opportunity to leave your imprint on something. You may be able to shape it a different way. Get involved. Nice. Love it. All right. Let's talk about courage. Where did you find, because you've got drive. I can tell you've got the fire. Where did you get this courage to step out and and step up um, into the leadership positions you've had? Well, I'll start from home because I saw my grandmother and my grandfather who, you know, did not have much. I saw them, you know, I wasn't there when they raised their six kids, but after raising them, my aunts and uncles, and of course my mother, I saw them really push forward and get their college education and advanced degrees. And what I saw in my mother was that drive to be self-sufficient, to be able to ensure that she could provide for her four kids when she didn't get all of the help that she was due in order to do that. So part of that comes from just watching and observing. The other thing is I've always been that cheerleader for cheerleader for self, you know, saying that, you know, I I know I can do it. I'm going to try to do it and I'm going to do my best. And just being that number one cheerleader for myself and for people. And I think that drive just comes from knowing that if you don't try, you will never win. Absolutely. That's good. And we, we talk about different types of courage that we have to tap into on a, a daily basis. And especially in leadership roles, that intellectual courage, the courage to set aside the, the current knowledge you have, the long held beliefs to make room for new knowledge. Cause there's always new information coming out. Um, the moral courage to do what's right. Even if nobody's watching the social courage, the, to say what needs to be said, even if it's un, unpopular and kind of goes against the grain to be able to step up to the mayor and say, I don't think this is the best thing to do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, of the different types of courage, what, what do you think is most important um, in your role as a leader? What, what type of courage would you say is most important? Well, I can only just say one because I, I, I start from oh. a, a foundation and then I move on. That's okay. <laughs> so for me, I start from a basis of spiritual courage okay. because you have to have that strong faith in, in order to move forward. That's how I work. I got to have faith that it can be done or faith that it's worth doing. And then after that, you know, I know that I can always gain the intellectual courage because there's so much information out there that you read and you figure it out. But the social courage uh, to know that it's the right thing to do, because if it's not the right thing to do, then then my faith is not going to make me feel very good about executing on it. So for me, it's just knowing it's the right thing. It's the right thing to say. It's the right thing to do. And I can always, because I I can always learn about it if I don't know about it. But sometimes that social courage 
takes you across the finish line without even having that intellectual courage because you go on things that you've lived your whole life. So I think faith and faith what works puts it all together with me. Nice. Yeah. And to me, courage is action. You have to have the action as part of it. It, It's one thing to think courageous things, but if you don't have that action, then, then really what, what use is it? Yes. I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, stepping up and saying what needs to be said to the mayor, a lot of people won't. There are a lot of people who get into positions and they become the yes man, the yes woman. I'll, I'll agree with whatever you say, boss. You just tell me what you want, boss, and I'll agree with it. They don't need that. Leaders need that open conversation. Tell me what you're thinking. I mean, it's up to them to make their decisions, right? And be yes. decisive, but they need all the information, good, bad, ugly. They need to know what's going on. Yes, I, I, I absolutely agree with that because there are times when I've, I've recommended something, especially on a things that are happening right now and I wasn't heard and that was okay but at least I put the information out there so what has happened is that the community is now yelling about and it's not just one community it's a lot of communities and so I'm I'm sitting back and I'm looking at that I'm hearing the voices and I'm telling you I I am working so hard not to say I told you so (laughs) But you know what? I can thank it, but it's not appropriate for me to say it. What's appropriate for me is that now that you have seen that there is some uh, adversity towards what is being proposed, my job is to come up with the courage to figure out how we can change course, course correct, and get us to the finish line in accordance with the legislative priority agenda. Absolutely. That's awesome. Very cool. So in as far as leadership, what do you look for in a leader? I look for heart. You got to have the heart to serve and the heart to know how to care about who you are serving and why you are serving. And then I also look for a flexibility. I look for accountability. Mm. Uh, I look for purpose and I look for ownership. So if you package all of those things up in a box, then I think you're on the way to great leaders, good leaders, going from good to great. Nice. And do you have any examples, people you've worked with? Well, you know, I'll use the current example of the mayor. I think the mayor, and I I saw it today, recognizing that this Gulch project was one of the hardest things that was accomplished in her administration. Mm. And she made a comment that, I may not be the best mayor in the whole history of in the history books, but I'm a better mayor than when I started. So that says to me is that along the way, I learned some lessons that made me better. And no, you may not count me in history as the best, but I serve the people to the best of my ability. And as I serve, I learn from my mistakes. And each day I try to do better. And that's all we can ask of leaders is do your best, learn from your mistakes and do better the next time. Absolutely. And she has done a lot for the, for the city. And I know that she's getting noticed because there's always talk about her being pulled up into, you know, the, the national arena. Um, Any, do you think that'll happen? And if, if that does happen, will you go with her? 
Well, I think it's happening. She is now, I believe, the co-chairman of the Democratic National Committee. She's serving with Jamie Harrison. Okay. And um, I just say, you know, I'm that kind of person that will go where my heart feels it should go. Uh, Mayor Bottoms is the fourth mayor that I've worked with. Um, I started out uh, with Bill Campbell's last term of office. And even though I wasn't in his administration, his core administration, I was able to execute some planning things that were a part of his agenda. So I don't get stuck on one person. You know, I get stuck on the purpose. And so I have to figure out what my purpose is at any given season you know, in, in my life, because there's always at, something evolving yeah. out there for me. Right. And then look at the opportunity and see if that's something you can absolutely you know, sink your teeth into. If there was a, a national uh, position that, that came up, what, what would you select for yourself? If, if you could have one of the positions or get yourself into one of those areas? You know, I think my, I, I think my skill set fits to engagement, citizen engagement and citizen education. Because it's important, it's important for me that people know, you know, their place in the world and how they have the ability to change things, you know. And I always say, you will hear me say that people matter. So that engagement piece with the people who are on the ground, who are impacted by what those at the top say and do, you know, I want to be sure that they understand what that means, what that means for them. You know, I'm a leader that doesn't, you know, I don't want to say I sit high and look down. I'm that kind of leader that gets off of the mountain and goes down and meet with the people and talk to the people and educate the people so that when they look up, they can understand why they are looking up. So if there were uh, a, a secretary of community engagement and citizen education, that would be my job. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah, people need to understand that they they do have a voice. They can get involved. And no, they're not always going to get what they ask for. But we have, it's kind of a luxury. You don't hear about this in other countries. We have that luxury that we can go to our um, uh, political uh, folks and say, hey, here's what I need or here's what I want or can we do this or can we get involved with that? And I don't think citizens use that enough. I don't think they get as involved as they really should. And I'm not sure why. Is it just a frustration level, do you think? Or they just, if, I don't know. I don't know what well, that I don't is. think they know the path. I don't think they know the pathway to involvement. And that's a part of the education. It's like, how do you deal? I did this course on how do you deal with City Hall? Well, first of all, you have to know who the players are. What are you mm-hmm. trying to accomplish? And then, you know, create that pathway to get the job done. Okay. So, it's not frustration. It's only frustration when you are not educated on what the process is. Once you know the process, then you can get it done. You know, I educated my brother on something that's happening in Savannah, Georgia, and he was trying to make a decision. And I said, let me pull you back. I want to pull you back to step one, because what you first need to do is understand that the paper that you have in front of you does not have validation by the city officials. Have that conversation conversation with the city officials so that they are on the same page with you. And once you get them to buy in, then you can begin to go through the process. But if you act before you educate, 
you're going to be frustrated. So frustration comes when you don't know. Most citizens don't know. And that's why they have to understand that they have a voice at the table. And when they think they don't have a voice at the table, they have to create that voice because they elect the people who represent them. So if you don't see your voice, create that voice, create that table and pull up your lawn chair and say, I'm here because this is my table. Awesome. Yeah. We are working with uh, my clients as a business coach. I, I tell them that frustration is that difference between expectation and reality. Your expectation is it's going to go this way. Reality is it's something different. All you're doing, that frustration is just bridging that gap. And like I said, educate yourself, understand, listen, ask questions, and and understand the process and work. Yes. Nice. Be be courageous. Yeah. You know, don't don't sit back. You know, <laughs> you you have nothing to lose but to lose. So go ahead and be courageous. Yeah. And I've heard no before, and I'm still standing, <laughs> you know, no is not a bad word. So no, and no, is not finite. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When, when, when that's the other thing, when something is rejected, they're not rejecting you as a person. They're rejecting your idea or the presentation of that idea. Go back, look at it again, represent, right? That happens that? to me every other week in front of the city council. They may not like what is presented to them. And they may say, no, that no is, we're going to hold this. We're going to hold this, Charletta. And so while it's being held, that means I have to go back to the table. I have to go back and negotiate. I have to find that happy place or that place where both of us can live. Mm -hmm. And then we end up at the end of the day at full council with a yes. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Consulting, uh, working with different companies. We would have our, our meeting before the meeting. We would talk to a lot of the individual people first, kind of explain to them what we're doing, what we're trying to do, get their input, mold that into our presentation. So then when we go with the final presentation, everybody around the table has already agreed to what you want to do. And that yes comes a little bit easier. That's part of the politics. Absolutely. Absolutely, Harlan, because I tell some of my colleagues, you have to educate them before you ask them. So by the time you step up to the podium, it's moved to approve. Absolutely. Perfect. And, uh, you know, when you, when you say politics, everybody thinks, you know, the big, big building downtown, the big rotunda down. It's like, no, politics happens every day. Politics happens driving down the highway. It, it Politics happens at the grocery store. There's always politics, that little negotiation. You get what you want. I get what I want. Everybody's happy. That happens everywhere. And people need to be comfortable with the politics. Right. And they have to understand it's not a bad word. It's what you said. It's it's negotiation, driving. Okay, are you going to stay in your lane or, or, or I'm going to let you over here? That That's politics. That's give and take. Politics happens in the church. Yes. You know, a lot of people talk about that. There's a lot of politics. And politics happens in your family, even in sure. your family. What are we going to have for dinner tonight? Or, you know, People when, who are accustomed to planning family reunions. Okay, where are we going to have this family reunion? We've been in COVID. Are we going to do it? Are we going to have, you know, for Aunt Susie, you know, she's 90. We're, that's politics is an everyday ingredient of our life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if people wanted to go and learn a little bit more about politics, what would you recommend to them? Well, I would say start from their local environment. Because that's the, that's the environment that's going to impact them the most. I would tell them to become familiar with who their elected officials are. 
You know, what are the terms? What districts do they represent? And then start looking. I tell people on the city website, there are committee meetings and council meetings every week happening. Get the agenda, study the agenda, and then call their offices. If it's something that's happening on that agenda that you are concerned about, each political person has a staff member that can explain that. And if they don't have a staff member, then there's a department. So start from your local government because you pay property taxes. Mm -hmm. They pick up your trash or they don't pick up your trash. They haven't been picking up yard trimmings these days. You know, you pay a water and sewer fee, start from the basics because that's where you're going to feel that punch. And then as we get closer, start educating yourself on the state level. Educate them on that. And then vote. Yes. That is your voice. Vote. That is uh, so simple and, and so say, many people don't. people say, be the vote, be yeah. the voice. I say, activate the voice. Activate the voice. Love it. Yeah, because there are so many people that just don't. It's like, oh, my vote doesn't count. It's like, well, not if you don't cast it, right? Right. Got to get it out there. Very cool. Love this. So what's next for you? What's next for well, you? Well, someone asked me that today, actually, at, at City Hall. I said, you know what? I'm just a diehard, uh, I'm just a diehard uh, community person. And as I said, this is my fourth mayor. We're in the middle of a mayor election. Mm -hmm. And I know every last one of those candidates. So who knows? The sky is the limit. I know that whatever it is, it is going to require the courage to lead. And it's going to require that I call on my faith in order to lead. And it will involve educating citizens, educating those who are not able to advocate for themselves. And it's going to involve making sure that I leave an imprint that's better than when I found it. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we will definitely check back in with you as the mayoral race comes to an end and we see who's in that, that big chair and uh, see how things are going for you. If people want to connect with you, how can they do that? I know you've got your personal website, right? I have a personal website, www.charlettawilsonjacks.com. They can also find me on LinkedIn and I'm on all the social medias. Excellent. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. This has been great. And uh, I hope people listen and actually get involved, step up and, uh, and use their voice. That's what it's there for. I hope they do and understand that the world is theirs to conquer. So have the courage to conquer it. Excellent. Have the courage. Love it. Charletta, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank and, you uh, so much, Harlan, for having me. Absolutely. And listeners, hope you guys, uh, oh, you know what I wanted to bring up? You had a quote on your personal website, Maya Angelou. You may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. I've always loved that quote. What does that quote mean to you? Don't shrink. Don't shrink. Don't shrink. You know, bring your full self, your full robust self to every situation because you are more than enough to have that conversation, to have that interaction, to be present. Don't shrink. Love it. Don't shrink. Words to live by. Thank you so much. I love that quote. 
All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. A lot of good information here. Definitely uh, reach out to Charletta on her personal website um, or through LinkedIn, follow her, and uh, maybe we'll check back in, see how you're doing. Thank you so much, Harlan. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks so much. All right, listeners, I hope you enjoy this. Make sure you share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues, and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. 